five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Uh, I still have it in my, my ears. Give me a second. Sweet Freedom with uh, Michael McDonald. And we're off and running. Hey, what's happening, everybody? It's me, Robert Phoenix. <clears throat> Back in the dock again. <clears throat> the uh, sailing weather starting to look a little dark out there. <clears throat> Supposed to have an 80% chance of rain. And we had, I think we had an inch of rain yesterday out here, which is, as they say, much needed as the planet is being put through, in my estimation, an artificial drought with extremely high heat and temperatures to make uh, life on Earth, well, a living hell. We're doing a good job. Good job. You're doing a great job with making life a living hell. However, seems to be changing a little bit, at least in this area. So with the dark skies, well, that means that our uh, our yacht time is drawing to a close. And I'm sure there are a number of people who are, are dancing in their living rooms right now. However, we're not done yet. The yacht, yachting season does not officially stop until I say it does, which will be right around my birthday. But then we have dark yacht. And then we have space yacht. We got more yacht than you can ever imagine. We're redefining the genre. We're boldly going where no yachtarian has gone before. Oh, yeah. Anyway, great song, Sweet Freedom, uh, a promotional video for the movie Running Scared, a very underrated movie, by the way. Like very few movies can pull off kind of a cop and comedy thing. That's one of those movies that can. It's more cop than comedy. So when the comedy comes in, it's it's good, right? It's it's funny. Gregory Hines, who I met, there are not a lot of actors or quote-unquote celebrities that I would say I miss, but I do miss Gregory Hines because he was so talented. Um, he has such a great spirit, and he was in some some really good movies. Running Scared. Uh, he was also in Wolfen. He has a lot of charisma. My ex-girlfriend waited on him one time in uh, at Lowe's in, I think, Santa Monica. Said he was the nicest guy. Super, super nice guy. He was a great dancer. Just incredibly talented, you know? And um, I was sad when he died because he just seemed to have such a good vibe. He was an Aquarian. Uh, Billy Crystal, a uh, Pisces. So, you know, got the end of the Zodiac there. 
with that movie. Anyway, it's a great movie. If you haven't seen Running Scared, I highly recommend it. Jimmy Smith plays a bad guy, and he's really bad. Like, he pulls the bad guy off. Dan Hedaya plays the, the flustered. There's always got to be the flustered police commissioner or the captain, right? There's always the guy that says, don't do that. It's against the rules. You guys are late again. I can't count on you. I can't trust you. There's always that guy in a movie. You never get the one that says, hey, do it. Hey, do whatever the fuck you need to do, right? Go, go steal some drugs. You got to kill somebody. Good with me. Just good with me. Just don't tell them I told you that. And I'll bet you there's more of that than we think, but there's always that, that scolding guy. How could you guys do this? I've got an answer to the commissioner now. You make my life so hard, so difficult. I'll tell you another pretty good cop and comedy movie. Flies under the radar. It's a little more on the comedy side than the cop side, but it's still pretty good. And uh, that's Freebie and the Bean with uh, James Caan and um, Alan Arkin. Pretty good movie, actually. Takes place in San Francisco, underrated. So if you're looking for a couple of older uh, cop movies that don't take themselves too seriously, but still have enough grit to, you know, kind of get your testosterone going a little bit. Those are two movies I'd recommend. Running Scared and Freebie and the Bean. Oh, look who's over there. Hey, are you coming over here today? Are you coming over here today? He's he's in the studio. We, uh, we might see a, an appearance by the golden one. You know who I'm talking about? Jasper. Hey, let's say hi to everybody. Um, we didn't get a chance, of course, to do yesterday's show because we stopped doing shows on Monday. And, you know, I'm kind of glad I'm doing that. And I know I miss you guys on Mondays. Believe it or not, I do. But usually when I wake up on Monday, I'm like, oh, man, I am, I'm a little spent right now. And uh, I just produce a better quality show on Tuesday. That's how it works. Let's see. Who do we have here? We got Thomas Jordan. Good morning, Thomas. There's Ryan, the head of the uh, International Introspective Woodworkers Union of the World. That would be IIWW. Wendy says is here, the beautiful one, checking in. Sony. Hi, Sony. Equicentric, morning to you. Uh, Michael Pafford, 9.09. I like that time. Yes, good morning to you. And good morning to Yataria. Uh, let's see, Double B, Beth Berry, checking in. She blindly with science, or should I say he? I was a big Thomas Dolby fan. I actually saw him one time. It was actually a really good show. And he didn't perform live very much, but it was in San Francisco and he was living there. I think he still does. Uh, let's see, who else do we have? Miss Nakia. Hey, Betty, you coming over here today? Jasper, get over here. Come on. Come on. Hey, come on. Let's go. Come on. Come on. Oh, my God. He, Jasper's kind of a narcissist. 
he licks himself all the time. I think I think he's doing it because he thinks Joan is coming over. Like he wants to he wants to be ready for when Joan comes over. Hey, come over here. Let's go. He's still looking. Anna Sophia, the the uh, lovely one, is here. Hi, Anna. Good to see you. Um, who else? CC Jones. Fantastic in the house. Hucklebuck four eleven. Good day back at you. Okay, who else do we got? Mm -mm -mm, Julie Sunshine, triple three. Big cat lady, big cat mama. On the yacht today. Uh, let's see, maybe. I love it. Ahoy chat. I love it. I'm going to try to do a final, uh, a final yacht show on a Friday with Jay Graydon. I got to call Jay. I don't know Jay Graydon. Although I feel like I kind of know Jay Graydon because I've been listening to a lot of Jay Graydon influenced music and I've seen some of his videos. So it, it will not be uh, a, uh, a a Friday forecast that will have probably any earth shaking revelations or dark secrets or anything like that. It'll just be a good interview with somebody who's been in the music business for a very long time and a um, one of the builders of the yacht. So I hope I can pull that off. Um, I heard the theme from Jaws as Billy Crystal was going around with that shark jaw. <laughs> uh, stay out of the water. I got mad respect for the water. Mad respect. You gotta be, you gotta be very respectful. Let's see to those controlling the weather. Fuck you. I agree. Whatever it is, weather, food, media, money, the social condition. Let's do it. Just do a big fuck you to all of them. Fuck you. I like that. Michael Pafford, not mincing any words there. Yacht not. Oh, you have to admit, I mean, Michael McDonald was on a boat. They wound up in a club in the Caribbean that they started once they left their shitty jobs as Chicago police officers. It doesn't get much more yacht than that, I have to say. At least the sentiment is yacht. What's going on, Michael? Good to see you. Definitely dancing. That song is so contagious, right? I love at the end where they jump in and they start singing with Michael McDonald. That's a great video. Uh, Queen Lisa, she's here. Good morning, thy royal highness. Uh, King Pat the Virgo, is he going to be here today? By the way, it's Virgo season. Welcome Virgo season. Uh, SJS, my son's initials. Hi, SJS. Chad Warren, I heard NBC is bringing back the 80s TV show, Misfits of Science, which will feature Fauci and Gates. Ooh. Do you think they'll bring in uh, Bill Nye, the science guy, at the same time? Beth Berry says, yeah, agreed about Gregory. Gregory Hines was, he was so cool. Yeah, White Knights, Mikhail Baryshnikov and Gregory Hines, two incredible dancers. Really incredible. Jake, what's going on, Jake? Gucci to goats. We got to have you back on soon. Find out how the how the uh, how the glamorous life is going. Let's see. He was one of the best dancers. He was great. He was great with tap. 
You know, he's a Gregory Himes. Is, I think he had a, a brother that he used to do some uh, tap with. He's got two kids. I don't know what, what they're up to. Uh, let's see. Who else do we have? Um, bum, 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 bum. Are you coming over here? Come on. You, you, you've preened. You've cleaned. You're ready. You're ready to make your entrance. If you're listening to uh, the podcast, I'm trying to get my my cat over here, who made a a, a cameo on Sunday night. He was back on the uh, back on the case on Sunday night, and he's actually in the studio. He's just off here in the wings. Taze, greetings from rainy Colorado. It's a rainy night in Georgia. Such a rainy night in Georgia. I feel it's raining all over the world. Look who's here. There he is. The golden one. Anything you want to say to your adoring fans? Huh? Anything you want to say? Can't cut your tongue? If you're listening on the podcast side, Jasper the Astrological Cat just jumped on the show. We're happy. We're happy to see you back. You're getting over your PTSD. Good for you. North Idaho checking in. What's going on, Frank Bry? Welcome to the uh, proceedings here. Laughing Tiger. Good morning from the Ozarks. You know, I've never been to the Ozarks, but I want to go. I like places like the Ozarks. When I was a kid, I used to have fantasies about the swamps in Florida. I don't know why. They really captured my imagination. I was very into the whole idea of swamps in Florida. Uh, they are manipulating the weather, not controlling it. Mm. Semantics. But um, we know that they're fucking with it. They're fucking with it. King Pat is doing kettlebells as we listen. Oh, you're back again now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You got a lot to say. You've been away for a while, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, What do you think of Fauci leaving? He was a fucker, wasn't he? He's not really leaving, though. He's just going undercover. Uh, Let's see. Taffy. Hi, Taffy. Good to see you. Yeah, I know. It's a a good day. Good day here over on uh, 15 Minutes. Kabuki Theater. Checking. Oh, yeah. I know. Yeah, people have missed you. So uh, thanks for being here once again. Um, I want to uh, give a shout out, of course, to our good friend, uh, Christopher Lynch, who is the sponsor of the show. And his company is called True Hemp Science. And I keep getting back uh, wonderful testimonials both from the product and the service of True Hemp Science. So let me just bring you into his website and uh, give you a quick glimpse into the common serenity that awaits you in the wonderful world of finely crafted CBD, and CBD that is uh, almost always tailored to your specific needs. And if you uh, order $100 of product and you go to treehempscience.com 
backslash ref backslash 23 and you type in 15 mins, one five M-I-N-S at the end of your order, you will get free product. And if you spend $150, you get free shipping. So what's an extra $50, right? Throw down an extra $50, get some goodies from maybe a friend of yours and uh, turn them on to, uh, to something or use your free product to turn them on. Spread the love. That's uh, truehemscience.com backslash rev backslash 23 and 15 mins is the code you need to get the free goodies. All right. Uh, so good to have the yacht cat back. You ready to go on the yacht? You ready to get out there? Huh? Yeah. Yeah. If I ever got a yacht, I'd name it after you. I, I would. I would name it the Jasper Sun. That would be a good name for you. It would be a good name for you, wouldn't it? Yeah. All right. Enough cat. Let's talk uh, rat. From cat to rat. That's the transition. Where do I where do I begin with Tony Fauci? First of all, he's not going to be gone until December. So we're going to get three more months of him essentially littering uh, the screen and doing whatever he needs. Like the last three months of Tony Fauci's career of the director of the NIH, which is he's the longest running public servant, 40 plus years, long time. So he's probably saving his best for last. He's like taking the test tubes and the vials and mixing it up and, you know, he'll unleash some kind of uh, contagion or pox upon the rest of us, or at least try to. And then he gets to go off into the private sector. Now, keep in mind, he's a Capricorn. And, you know, they stick around a long time. So even though he won't be in the public sector, he'll be in the private sector. And guess what? There's hardly any oversight in the public sector, but there's even less oversight in the private sector. Tony Fauci will be a free agent. Anybody can hire him. He'll probably make even more money after he's uh, stepped away from his position as the longest running um, public miscreant in uh, currently. He's, he's, he's a bad dude. He's just, a, he's, I, I can't state, I can't, I could try to overstate. I could try to overstate and I probably wouldn't even hit the mark. That's how bad he is. I mean, look at his track record, starting with so-called AIDS. Terrible, absolutely terrible. And all the push AZT, his shitty drug that wound up killing just about everybody. You know, when they when they inoculated a lot of those um, Hep C people, I had a cousin who was one of them. What do you think they inoculated them with? They inoculated them with a version of AZT. They were trying it out. 
And what did AZT do? It destroyed their immune systems. Absolutely destroyed their immune systems. And there are a lot of things that we don't know about AZT. And if indeed it was theoretically communicable, we, we don't know anything about it. You know, we think we know something like, well, it was there. It was, you know, it was terrible, right? It was almost a 90, what, it was like 3% of the people that took AZT lived. It was really bad. It was really, really bad. But what happens when you have, you exchange bodily fluids or sometimes a needle like back then, the you know the gay culture, if they were going to use needles, they didn't use them for heroin. They were not that was not a heroin culture. That was a culture that was based on speed, coke, um, uppers, poppers, right? They you know that's that's what they were on. So if they were going to shoot anything, they were going to shoot coke or they were going to shoot some speed. What? But it wasn't wasn't heroin. And I don't think needle use was. I mean, it was there, but it wasn't as prevalent as another way of exchanging bodily fluids, which would, you know, use your imagination if you dare. Um, so what would happen to a compromised immune system if they're exchanging bodily fluids? And the other immune system may not be compromised. We don't know. We don't know. So let's say they have remnants and traces of AZT in their, in their body, right? It's there. It's embedded in their fat cells. It's embedded in any other, you know, part of their, uh, their genetic library or code. And then when they, you know, transmit that through bodily fluids, for all intents and purposes, they're transmitting a variant of AZT into the other person's body even though they may have, have received that directly as a result, how's that going to impact people? How's that going to impact their immune system? Question mark. So I have a friend, this, this brings us up to the present time. I have a friend who, uh, not vaccinated and she, she dated a vaccinated guy and, uh, you know, exchange of bodily fluids sick for three months and she's doing some kind of a protocol um, and it's helping, but apparently she's got like spots on her body. She can't get rid of. So, you know, she calls it long COVID. That's what they like to do. They call it long. And this guy, Tony Fauci, he he's been, he's been the pimp. He's been the pimp of all this. He was, he was at times um, browbeating people into getting the injection. At times he was browbeating people to stay home, browbeating people to wear masks. And then on the other side of it, he would tell people that wearing a mask isn't effective. That if you got the injection and the second injection and the booster, it won't stop you from getting COVID. And in fact, you could probably be somebody who could pass it along, along with this other lie that there were people who didn't who were asymptomatic and they were passing along and they didn't even know it, which generated and garnered 
so much fear. Like you couldn't even represent yourself as being a healthy individual because you might not be healthy. You may not even know that you're healthy. Where did we hear that? We heard that with AIDS. It was, it was the same psychology with AIDS. And how many people really, 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 really got AIDS? Not many. Did people have immune um, disorders? Yep, sure did. They had Epstein-Barr, chronic fatigue syndrome, Lyme disease. All those things were very prevalent. In fact, they were prevalent around the same time that AIDS was getting all the attention. You think that that's by happenstance? No. AIDS, in a lot of ways, was a mask or a cover for these other things that were starting to impact people that were very, very serious. And for the longest time, if you had Lyme disease and you went to the doctor, they'd laugh at you. They would say, oh, here, see, all in your imagination. Until finally, some doctors began to take it seriously. More than likely, they, they had uh, some professional companions or, or, or people that they knew, peers, who were exhibiting a lot of the same things. And then on the download, I say, listen, I, I want to, you know, contact this thing. I think it's Lyme. And um, I had to take a bunch of blood panels. And sure enough, you know, there's something in my system that was absolutely trashing my immunity. And I think Lyme disease is probably communicable. And I think that was probably really what was going on for a lot of people. And uh, the whole the whole AIDS and HIV thing was more than likely, you know, a cover story. And that's not to say that people uh, didn't suffer immune damage. They did. But again, I'm going to point right back to a lot of other things. Lifestyle. Like if you looked at, at that time, the gay lifestyle was incredibly reckless. Multiple sex partners in a day. Um, you know, significant drug use. So your immune system was down, right? Weren't getting any sleep or rest. Uh, I don't know about nutrition or exercise. I, you know, I don't, I don't, I wasn't that close to that world, but you, you, you factor all that in and then you, you hit these people. And, and by the way, hepatitis did exist. Right? If you were, you know, engaged in anal sex, eh, guess what? More likely, it's a really good chance somebody will pass hepatitis on to you. So it did exist, but I think the cure was probably worse than the actual thing itself. You know, and hepatitis attacks the liver. So you, you're jaundiced and you can't, you know, break things down. You wind up having some kind of a liver disease as a result of this. So I think it was just running cover. And this is where Tony Fauci was cutting his teeth at that time, him and Robert Gallo. And there was a guy, I played that video before, it's a hard video to find, but he was um, a doctor in Florida and he gave a conference at um, some kind of, a, he gave a talk at an alternative health conference and he injected himself with HIV blood. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. Somebody who had some kind of a, you know, an immune disorder, right? Nothing happened. It's when, uh, and by the way, 
you could have any kind of immune disorder. It didn't have to be AIDS related. And we went over some of those immune disorders already. So he injected himself with whatever they considered to be HIV. Nothing happened to the guy. So the real culprit was AZT. And of course, we know that that was a drug that was developed by Fauci and Gallo and their friends in the pharmaceutical industry. And they, they sold a shit ton of it. AZT had originally been uh, developed as a um, combatant for cancer. Essentially, um, what it, AZT is kind of a cousin of, of injectable chemotherapy. So it's going to basically kill you, right? It's going to, it's going to, it's the, it's the, it's going to kill whatever is killing you. And if you live, um, then you've, you've been able to survive and, oh, look, it worked. It worked. So Tony Fauci is a war criminal. He's a war criminal because he inflicted and he promoted an inflicted genocide on the entire human human race. And that's just his, his recent contribution to the, his um, the very dark legacy. And he's a cocky little fuck too, isn't he? He's, he's just a cocky little fuck. Like he's a guy that runs around with uh, political political immunity. Like nobody can touch him. And the reason why nobody can touch him is because he knows that all these people along the way from, you know, he's been there for 40 fucking years. So he's got dirt on everybody. And every administration that he's been a part of has been a part of his dirty, his dirty games, and his dirty works, right? You don't think he keeps records of these things? Of course he does. So they're they're just they're just as culpable as he is. Clinton, Obama. He was there with Bush forty years. So go back twenty. He's there what two thousand twenty? That's twenty two years. Two thousand. It's twenty two years. Go back 18 years before that. That's how long he's been around. And he's been running these shenanigans since he's, you know, been there. So all these administrations have essentially consented to Tony Fauci's crimes against humanity. That's why he has political immunity. They, they all said yes. And they all said yes, because they do these cozy deals with the pharmaceutical companies. The pharmaceutical companies contribute heavily to their campaigns and help them get reelected and stay in power. That's how the game works. You know, does it get darker than that? Sure, it does. It gets a lot darker than that. Because once you have political immunity and, and very little oversight, you could do a lot of really heinous shit. A lot of heinous shit. You can you know, work on dogs and beagles, right? You can work on babies, children, which clearly in Fauci's past, he's done. And those are the things that we know about. What are the things that we don't know about? They, they probably make your toes curl. 
I, I'd probably experience some kind of shrinkage if I, if I knew about that. Right. Cause that's what happens. Like, mm. he's done it. And now he's just going to go tippy toe off into the sunset. So I have a prediction about Tony Fauci and I brought this up um, yesterday on uh, well, I brought it up on, well, I put it on you on Twitter. I don't think he's going to have a smooth path. I think he's going to have a bumpy path, a rough path in the private sector. And one of the reasons why I think that's going to happen is that anytime he's going to show his face in public in any situation, people are going to make his life miserable. So I predict that more than likely he will, he will move out of the country. That's what I think. Where will he go? I don't know. I'm sure China would love him. Maybe he could get a good gig in Israel. But I don't see him staying around the United States. And even if he does leave and go somewhere else, I just don't think things are going to go well for the dude, ultimately. Because he's been playing with house money for a long time. And um, at some point, you know, things turn. But hey, Tony Fauci's got, what, like three daughters or something like that? And you can only control so much. He can't control their lives. And I'm not I, and I'm not advocating for anybody to do anything against his daughters, although there have been threats made against them, according to him. But it's just the 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 nature of this realm where you know sometimes bad shit happens. Just the way it is. And you think you could control everything. You have political immunity and, you know, you've got all the goods and all these other people that have been just absolutely slobbering at the gravy train with no regard for humanity whatsoever. And you're all pigs at the trough and you, you know, you think you just get away with it. No, it doesn't work that way. It does not work. Look at Liz Cheney. I mean, it's, it's a minor example, but she thought that, yeah, I can fuck with Trump and I can make a name for myself. I can fuck my own sister over. And um, look at me. I'm untouchable. Well, some no name, you know, whooped her ass by 30%. You know, and now and now she's looking at a future where she's going to have to carve out this niche for herself. The Democrats don't want her. They don't want Liz Cheney. They're happy to have her go after Trump, but do you think they want her for their party? No way. There's no way they want her for a party. So she can't really change parties. She's got to remain a Republican. And even the most rhino of the rhinos won't have anything to do with her. She's going to be a leper from this moment forward. And they'll try to prop her up and they'll probably give her interviews and people like Bill Crystal and all the fucking neocons will sing her praises. It won't help. It won't help. Look at Brian Stelter. He's gone. He's gone. He's gone. And this is a guy who they had put in place to be their uh, their media person, right? He is going to validate whether something is true or untrue. And he did that for what, nine years? 
He did that show for nine years on Sunday morning and he's gone. And without any fanfare whatsoever, no party. They had no growing away party. His crew, nobody threw him a party. It was like once the show was over, his last show was Sunday. That was it. They've taken his picture down. Apparently, they have pictures of all the CNN people at CNN headquarters. He's gone. They just memory hold him. And where's he going to go? Like Andrew Cuomo, you know, there's another arrogant piece of shit who thought he could say anything and do anything. He thought he could fuck with people with COVID and play around and, uh, you know, be in his basement. You know, he's lucky if he gets 5,000 people viewing. I get more views. I get almost as many views, maybe not more. I get almost as many views on my Sunday night show. And I don't get a ton of views. If I'm lucky, a good night on Sunday night for me is about 4,500 people. And I think Cuomo, if he's lucky, tops out at five. Nobody cares, right? He had one of the most cush jobs in the media. And he's gone. He's gone. He's he's grappling to, you know, find his place, his footing in his post-CNN life. Look at his brother. His brother got a fucking, what was it, an Emmy or something? He got an Emmy for a stupid fucking documentary they made on his heroic efforts in behalf of COVID, where he wound up killing tens of thousands of elderly people. He's gone. They, you know, they drummed him out on some stupid shit that he supposedly squeezed some buns or, you know, I mean, it's the most lame-ass Me Too stuff you've ever heard, but it was enough to get him out. So these things happen, right? And sometimes people can um, can rally if they've been summarily, uh, if, they've, if they've been dismissed in a way that is um, uh, unfair, right? People just know that it's unfair, a lot of times people can make a comeback. They're like, you know, you got fucked over and you can make a comeback. The only way some of these people can make a comeback is if they renounce what they've done. You know, if Chris Cuomo did a video, if he did, if he started to do videos about how he was fooled and misled by a so-called liberal or progressive agenda, if he did a 180, I guarantee you, and started to talk, have different talking points, Chris Cuomo would be very successful. But these people have made deals with the devil. So it's very rare when they can do that. Very, very rare. If Brian Stelter, for whatever reason, at some point fell on his, you know, fell on his sword for himself and said, you know, all those years at CNN, he couldn't do it tomorrow, couldn't do it next week. Maybe, maybe six months, nine months from now, you know, after time, after this time out, I looked at my career, I looked at my uh, body of work and, you know, I was patently wrong on most of it. And I was, I was really following, you know, I was, I was, I was following the crowd, you know, it was kind of, it was kind of like somebody who fell in line with the Bolsheviks said, well, you know, I was just doing what I was told because, uh, you know, that's what was being asked of me. And I think there is some of that, right? There is some of that. They're also getting paid really well. They're getting paid incredibly well. And um, so they're willing to overlook 
their own like moral misgivings and implications and all this stuff. But they'll just go along with it. And they'll convince themselves that they're right. You know, they'll create, they'll create a theater in their brain where all these things make sense. So it'll be interesting to see, I mean, what happens. We know what's happening with Chris Cuomo. The dude is struggling. He, he can't really create any kind of buzz. But if they wanted to, they wanted to go in the other direction. If they wanted to do a hard right, I guarantee you, Chris Cuomo's YouTube uh, views would go through the roof. Like the rehabilitation of Chris Cuomo would be interesting. And he starts going down this path. Next thing you know, he's got a show on Fox News. Not that I'm a champion of Fox News. I, I think they're just as bad as CNN. But that would be the equivalent of somebody from, well, who is that guy? Um, what's his name? Is, is it Spencer something? The, it, the alien-looking homosexual, you know what I'm talking about? The reptilian guy who left Fox for CNN, that guy? You know what I'm talking about? I forget his name. Uh, Shepherd, Shepherd Bliss, is that his name? Shepherd Bliss? Is that, I think that's the guy's name. It'd be the equivalent of that, only bigger, because Chris Cuomo was a bigger asshole and pissed more people off. That would be interesting. So Fauci... Tony Fauci. I'm going to miss doing my Fauci impersonation. He was easy to do. Other people are more difficult. Now that he's gone, what's next? I ran across a story yesterday that was uh, beyond disturbing. Like there's disturbing... And then there's beyond disturbing. So who's going to be the next Tony Fauci? It won't be in this country. I can tell you that right now. I think the next Tony Fauci is going to be Yuval Noah Harari. That's who I think the next, um, the next Tony Fauci will be. And I read a I read a story here. Um, I posted on uh, Twitter yesterday uh, that was so disturbing that, but it it com it completely makes sense too. Like from an astrological standpoint, we're we're Chiron and Aries, and what does Aries represent? Well, it represents the head. So here we go. Uh, in the uh, great land of milk and honey, located in the Fertile Crescent, the great friend of the United States, there is a startup that has some very unique ideas. Human embryos without heads to be grown in mechanical wombs. Infant organs will be harvested. No ethical problem seen. This is from uh, Igor's newsletter. Somebody named Igor Chudov. The craziest stuff is being planned as a new commercial startup project. We'll go to the. We'll go there in a second. Apparently, a team of 
Israeli entrepreneurs is planning to grow human embryos and artificial wombs. After they grow organs, could be harvested from such infants. To avoid ethical dilemmas, human embryos will be grown without heads. That is a Chiron and Aries kind of moment, isn't it? So basically, their reason is, well, if they don't have a head, then yeah, we don't have to worry about the moral implications. It's like they're something else. They're not really babies. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of uh, that one video that John Levi did of the, the chest people, the chesties is what, what he called them. These were people without heads, but they had eyes and a mouth on their chest. Like there's a lot of illustrations of these, of these like chest people. Kind of reminds me of that in some ways, but not as sort of quaint. This is this is fucking matrix material, right? This this is matrix, hardcore, nauseating sci-fi matrix material. I'll keep reading here. Um, to avoid ethical dilemmas, human embryos will be grown without heads. No kidding. The article does not explain how growing you human embryos without heads would avoid ethical dilemmas, leaving the reader needing to figure it out. So this is from, you think I'm shitting, right? This is from MIT Technology Review. This startup wants to copy you into an embryo for organ harvesting, a copy of you missing brain. So I guess the idea is that you'll be able to replace your organs as they fail. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of um, that movie, The Prestige where they would have another copy of the um, the magician uh, from from prestige right so that he could out he could out trick or out magic the Christian Bale character he didn't know Christian Bale's trick the idea of the startup is to take stem cells from any given individual such as you or me which they've they haven't done it yet but they've definitely copied a lot of DNA. Like they have a ton of information with DNA from 23andMe and all that shit to the COVID tests. I'm such a Luddite. I did not expose myself to either. I was intrigued by the 23andMe thing. Don't get me wrong, but I never did it. Um, Modify the genetic code of those stem cells to prevent the formation of a human head or brain, probably the latter, when developing an embryo. So they're just basically growing a sack, right? They're growing a sack with the fledgling organs that can be harvested and used and replaced whenever you need them. It's like, it's like having a, a spare car in the garage for parts. Seed these genetically modified cells into a jar serving as an artificial womb and grow an artificial human embryo, but without a head. According to the startup, this somehow avoids ethical dilemmas. Although Hannah doesn't think uh, an artificial embryo made from stem cells and kept in a lab will ever count as a human being, he has a contingency plan to make sure there is no confusion. It's possible, for instance, to genetically engineer the starting cells so the resulting model embryo never develops a head. Restricting the, its potential could help avoid ethical dilemmas. We think this is important and have invested a lot in this. 
says Hannah. I don't know who Hannah is, but we'll find out. The plan does have some interesting possibilities. And your article mentions old people who would benefit from youthful immune cells. Hey, look, I'm 60 years old and I try to take care of my body to the best of my ability, body and mind. You know, would I want to live to be 150 because I'm just starting to figure some things out? Yeah, absolutely. But if I'm not, I don't want to live too far past 80. I, I'm just being honest, right? And I don't need some kind of copy of my of my cells in order to, you know, achieve the 150 year mark or whatever. Like that's not that important to me. Oh my God. The article does not say this out loud, but perhaps a large target market would be old people who destroyed their immune cells through COVID vaccine injections. And want to reverse the effect the vaccine had in their immune systems. How about that? Yeah, you fucked up, but guess what? We got a cure for you. You know what it is? Mm-hmm. It is stem cells. Stem cells and not just stem cells, but organs. Organs from little tiny, tiny babies without heads. How's that sound? Anyway, the plan to be explained in simple language would be something like this. If I get older, need a replacement organ that is not affected by aging, I could pay this startup to grow an artificial infant without a head, but otherwise a copy of me when I was an infant. Then they could harvest organs from the headless infant to transplant into my aging body, avoiding immune rejection seen with regular transplants. Okay, so if they do that, theoretically, it'd have to be a pre-COVID version of you. Theoretically, note that the transplants are not exactly a copy of my organs since they carried modified genetic code that was altered to prevent the formation of a head in the womb. That small distinction is apparently lost on the promoters of this idea. So what happens, right? You get this thing, let's say you get a new pancreas and then slowly over time, your head begins to shrink. Could you imagine that like the shrinking head? And then at some point you've just got this little tiny head you know, on top of your shoulders. How are you feeling today? I feel great. Never felt better. You know, your your head is um, disproportionately small. I know, but it's it's worth it. Trust me. I feel like I'm 15. Uh, yeah, but you look like a a project of the pygmies here. It doesn't matter. That's what I tell myself every day when I look in the mirror. I feel great. I look great. Uh, let's see. Note that the transplants aren't exactly... Okay, since infant organs are too small for an adult, the article mentions immune cells, which are just cells, but I guess such a headless infant could continue to grow on an accelerated time scale to provide full-size replacement organs for old people. I mean, theoretically, all they would have to do is let's say you have a failing liver, right? They could graft a piece of this younger, healthy liver, theoretically onto your failing liver, genetically modified to some degree, because they could do that. 
so that it could grow and proliferate faster. And the whole thing is weird. Um, the blog says this is not a conspiracy theory since all the information is in the article. If it sounds crazy, it is not because I invented it. I'm just retelling the story. So let's take a look at this um, startup here. It's called Renewal Bio with plans to create realistic synthetic embryos grown in jars. Renewal Bio is on a journey to the horizon of science and ethics. Oh my God. So Hannah is Jacob Hannah. Israel says it intends to create embryo stage versions of people in order to harvest tissue for use in transplant treatments. The company Renewal Bio is pursuing recent advances in stem cell technology and artificial wombs demonstrated by Jacob Hanna, a biologist at the Weizmann Institute of Science in Rehovot. Early this week, Hanna showed that starting with mouse stem cells, his lab could form highly realistic looking mouse embryos and keep them growing in a mechanical womb for several days until they develop beating hearts, flowing blood, and cranial folds. It's the first time such an advanced embryo has been mimicked without sperm, eggs, or even a uterus. They're just doing the fucking happy dance, aren't they? Uh, the answer is humans. Hannah tells MIT Technology Review is already working to replicate the technology starting with human cells and hopes to eventually replace artificial models of human embryos that are the equivalent of 40 to 50 day old pregnancy. So let's, let's think this through for a second. Let's go to the company's website. So now we're on renewal bio. The problem, humanity is getting older and sicker. Well, doesn't Zeke Emanuel only want to live till he's 73? Didn't he say that, that most humans shouldn't live past 73. Our publication, Ex Utero Mouse Embryogenesis, from pre-gas relation to late organogenesis, Nature 2021. Not a lot there. This is just a kind of a placeholder website. They got two, they have two publications, I guess they're papers. But can you imagine what would happen on the way to that? I mean, just, just think, because at some point, they're moving beyond mice embryos. What happens to the human embryos? That's a big question. Like, what happens to them? Oh, it's just science. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. We had to chop off its head. I know. It, it was a little malformed. It was there, but we don't want the head. So we just, we just chopped it off and we did it in the, we have a, we have a robot that goes in and we can actually go into the mechanical womb and, and uh, make some surgical alterations. You don't think that shall happen? And you know, where you, do you know where they're going to do most of this research? We'll do it in China. Because China does not, they don't have any problem with ethical standards. Like no problem with ethical standards at all. And you have people in the United States will be pissed off at that. Like we've got too, we got too many ethical standards here. 
we can't do what they do. We're going to fall behind. So what do they do? They do their research and outsourcing in China so they can get away with shit, which is, what do you think Tony Fauci and those guys were doing? It's exactly what they were doing. Charles Lieber at Harvard. I mean, the world is, a. am just going to be, you know, Captain Obvious. The world is a really fucked up place. The world is a really fucked up place. It is. I'm amazed, honestly. I'm amazed at how we're able to hold it together and have been able to hold it together for a very long time. Although I think it's starting to unravel. In fact, I know it's starting to unravel. Just look around. It's not hard to see the unraveling of the social condition. So I've been watching uh, this uh, YouTube channel. I guess it's pretty popular because the videos get a lot of views. And it's called Soft White Underbelly. And it's a guy who um, interviews people that have interesting relationships with sex. So far, um, I've seen an interview with what I would call a quote-unquote street hooker. I saw an interview with a brothel hooker. Somebody works on brothel in Nevada. Um, I saw an interview with a nymphomaniac. Um, I saw an interview with a nude couple who swing. Uh, And then I saw another interview with a young woman. (sighs) I don't know if her life degenerated into some form of, um, you know, sexual programming and perversion, but clearly suffered an inordinate amount of abuse when she was young. And and these are not people that are like MK Ultra projects or anything like that. And the stories um, that these people have are, they're horrible. They're, they're, they're absolutely tragic. They're, they're dealt an incredibly shitty hand in life. And they grew up in circumstances that many of us could never imagine. Case in point, this one woman who was a, uh, uh, she's a street hooker. And she told her story and the amount of regret and remorse Um, that this woman has is, uh, it's hard to watch. But, you know, I watch these things because I want to understand and learn about, you know, the human condition in a way that, because, you know, we talk about like MK Ultra Projects and Ann Hatch and people like that. And those people, by the way, are real. They do go through that. That's the sexy version, okay? Ann Hatch is the sexy version of the things that we that 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 this world represents, there's a bunch of everyday people who are just caught in the shotgun spray of that culture, and that's how they grow up. There's no intentionality. There's no like we're going to groom you to become, you know, a Kundalini Matahari. There's none of that. But that's how they grow up. So there's this one woman, and her story is harrowing. Uh, you know, mother, father, uh, the mother and the father use drugs when she's young. Of course, they go nuts. Um, and at one point, uh, the father is chasing after the mother and the kids. There's three kids down an alley. So that should give you an idea as to their living conditions. 
he has a shotgun and, and she remembers hiding behind kind of this partition or wall and uh, hiding from the father with a shotgun. It's probably six years old, seven years old. And, you know, it doesn't get better from there. And eventually she migrates into uh, a life of prostitution. And then she gets hooked on drugs. It's hooked on crack. And she can't, she can't quit prostitution because she's got a crack habit and she's got to pay her rent. So is she going to go work at Home Depot? No, because she can't afford either. Lives in Los Angeles. And the stories of these people, and that's just one, the stories of these people, you know, they're, they're chilling in a lot of ways because you get to see the effects of human carnage. And I know that there are people that have grown up with decent families. And not all families are picture perfect or leave it to beaver. My family certainly wasn't. And if you're listening, your family probably is a similar version in some ways. If you grew up in a mostly stable family with mostly stable parents and mostly stable siblings, count your blessings because there's a lot of other people that haven't gone through that. And just watching some of these videos, they're horror stories. This woman's got a, a six-year-old or seven-year-old son. And she starts crying on camera because she can't visit him. She's ashamed. And that's just one story. That's just one story amongst many. So when we look at the state of the world, right, it's, it's amazing in a lot of ways, like how we've managed to kind of hold this thing together. But the, the, the glue is coming apart. It's just, it's just coming apart. I mean, even this woman that I was talking about who, you know, normally would be on the street, uh, but now she's got the internet and she can, you know, get her clients off the internet. But even that is becoming problematic because apparently um, there is a term in prostitution and I didn't know this, called going bareback. So going bareback means that the guy who essentially wants to fuck you will not wear a condom. So there are women in the business who are okay with that. Why are they okay with that? Because they will get more business than the woman who doesn't want that, which is this woman. So it's almost like they're forcing, like the whole thing is so weird right? Conforming to some kind of social pressure. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not a vanilla guy. Uh, you know, I've, I've seen things and even in the past, like in my own version of my past, you know, there've been times not very vanilla, but nothing like any of these stories that, that uh, are on this channel. And the common denominator throughout all these things is drugs. Drugs are the common denominator. Either drugs, drug problems with the parents, which ultimately cascade into drug problems with the children, um, or drug problems with the neighbor, and then, you know, move into the life of that person who is having contact, inappropriate contact with the neighbor. It's drugs. Drugs are the, the issue. They fuck everybody's life up. 
They fuck families up. Uh, they fuck, it just, they're bad. They're bad. And I used to be on the libertarian side, which would be, you know, just legalize all drugs because it's going to be better that way. No, I, so I've moved off of that. If you legalize all drugs, you won't have prisons. You, you know, you, they're trying that in San Francisco and it's not working. They're trying to normalize drug use, not criminalize it, give people needles in, you know, drop off stations where they can drop their needles when they're done. It's not working. Look at Seattle, same thing. It's not working. So these, the drug issue is really huge. We're in Virgo. So I'm going to talk about, you know, staying clean and not being involved in drugs and even um, alcohol. Like there's this woman who's a nymphomaniac. She says she has sex up to 10 times a day with different partners. She's fine with it. When I heard what she drinks, I was, I was shocked. Said, I'll, I'll usually drink about 30 beers a day, 30 fucking beers a day. Plus she'll have chasers. And when asked if that was um, something louder to have promiscuous sex, she said, no, it's no, maybe it loosens me up a little bit, but that's related. It's not related to it at all. She said, I just like to fuck. I just like to have sex. And I even think she has, I think she has a, I think she has a child, if I'm not mistaken. She was married for, and it's weird, right? It's just really, really weird. This whole like subculture that exists around us without us ever really understanding or knowing. And so you go into a, ma a major city and then you just see the, you know, the human flotsam and jetsam on the streets. They're everywhere. And it's, it's a sign of the times and it's all primarily drug related. So we have, we have a huge, huge, huge drug problem in this country. And the drug problem has morphed in a lot of ways from um, legal drugs to illegal drugs and illegal drugs to legal drugs. Like Oxycontin was a legal drug. And people were just getting whacked out of their brains on Oxy and getting, and getting addicted to it. And now you have fentanyl, which is makes Oxycontin, you know, look like Mexican weed in a lot of ways. Right. So that's all there. It's all part of it. And then you have on the legal side, anything that the pharmaceutical industry wants to promote. They're not promoting painkillers now because they know that if something happens to somebody on painkillers, they can be sued. So doctors don't promote painkillers. So where do people go to deal with their pain? They go to the streets and they pick up things like fentanyl, which is, which is not, not advised. It's just not, I, I've never done fentanyl. I have no desire to do fentanyl. Uh, period in the story. And there's been a war on the American people and a war in the West. And it's been done through drugs. Uh, a lot of people think that it's revenge for, you know, getting the, the Chinese hooked on opium, that, that that's what the English did. They got them hooked on opium. And when they got hooked on opium, they kind of ran roughshod and dominated uh, the spice trade you know, in the Far East. So there's some thought that the Chinese are taking out their revenge by 
producing a shit ton of fentanyl and having it come up through the border because that's where it comes from. It comes from the border. And what do we have? We got, we got a country that is getting more and more addicted to these horrible drugs. Um, there's horrible behavior and lifestyle choices that result in many ways, especially when you deal with crack. That's a whole other story. The crack thing is another story connected to the, you know, to the CI fucking A and the Reagan administration and people like Dick fucking Cheney and Bill Clinton because they were running their little secret war with the Contras against the Sandinistas. That's exactly what was happening. So they were taking weapons out of Mina and dropping them off down in Panama and they were getting cocaine from, from Colombia, flown from Colombia to Panama and then from Panama um, and coast and Nicaragua, that was the other point. Panama, Nicaragua, but mostly Panama. Uh, then they would they'd load those planes up that were filled with weapons, right? They'd load them back up with cocaine. Sometimes they bring people back, right? They tr- they try to train them here in the states, which didn't always go very well. And that all happened in in the uh, started in the eighties. Basically started, so when did Reagan get into office? 1980? 1980 when Reagan got into office. So started in the 80s. All the cocaine starts showing up big time in the 80s. Huge, huge amounts of cocaine. By the time you get to the end of the 80s, you're dealing with um, freebase and then crack. By the time you hit the 90s, Crack, there's a crack epidemic across urban America, destroying, absolutely destroying lives, destroying the black community. They'd already destroyed a lot of the black community in the 60s with heroin coming back from Vietnam. Well, let's let's do another sortie on the black community. Like this shit is terrible. It's terrible. And it's destroyed our country from the inside out. And there are people that, that profited off of it immensely and on the on the backs of human lives and suffering and horrible stories with 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 children i mean this is this is this is how we've gotten here like i like to look at how we've arrived at this place and the drug story is a really really big part of it really big part of it and then there are people normal people who are fine right they don't use drugs but all of a sudden something happens and they can't get their lives back on track. And what do they do? They start using because they feel miserable about their lives. They, they don't have any self-worth. And a clear case of this is what happened with the fishermen in Massachusetts, you know, who were, they'd go out, they get the big tuna, right? They bring the big tuna back. Then all of a sudden, I think it was during either, I forget which administration it was, but they basically said, look, you're over farming here, the tuna. So, you, you know, you have to limit your tuna. And if you do that, what's going to happen? You're not going to make any money. Costs money, right? You got to buy the boat gas. You got to pay your guys. You got to pay insurance and all that shit. So if, if they're limiting your catch, you're eventually going to go out of business. So why did they do that? Was it because they really cared about the tuna? No, they didn't really care about the tuna. 
And in fact, there's probably cases we made that they have plenty of tuna. But what they really wanted is they wanted to open up the fish market from Europe into the U.S. And by limiting tuna, right, from the U.S. purveyors or the U.S., you know, the U.S. Uh, fishermen and, and distributors, there's going to be a void. Well, if you can't get fish, you got to go somewhere else. Well, we have fish over here. So what happened to those fishermen? There, there's been, there's been uh, documentaries done on them. Their lives are destroyed. They had nothing to do, no place to go. Guess where they turned? They turned to drugs. And their lives became human wreckage. Now, could they have had a predilection to turning towards drugs anyway? Maybe. Maybe, maybe they did, maybe, maybe they had some of that. Maybe in order to get up every day and fish for 14 hours, you have to do a line of, of crystal meth. You know, I've never had that kind of workload in that way. So I don't know. But maybe that's maybe that's how they got through. So maybe there was already a hook. But once that ended and they had no um, theoretical positive use for that, right? Then what? Now they're just, they're, they're down and there's no way out. There's no way they're going to replace their income unless they move. Maybe they move to a Gulf state where there's, um, you know, less restrictions, but that's not always the answer. You got family, you got kids, you got tradition, right? So this happens all the time. You know, we, we, we saw it when the auto workers got laid off in uh, the 1970s. A lot of them didn't have any other recourse and they're living in Detroit and, you know, vice city and it, it, this shit happens. So we we've had to adjust our sales all the time here. And as we've moved through time, the options become less and less. They just, they just become less and less. You go back to the 1970s, 1980s, you could have somebody who just had a regular job and they could afford a lifestyle. It may not be a lavish lifestyle, but you could buy a house. You could raise some kids. You kept your nose clean. You might be able to do okay. And that's not the case anymore. And that's why drug use is, is rampant because people have no, where's their hope? They have no hope. And that little hit for a moment in time Gives them temporary relief. They feel like they can conquer the fucking world for a minute and then it's gone, done. So they have to recreate that and chase that high over and over again until finally it doesn't really do anything except keep them from freaking out, right? Then they build a lifestyle around that, which is not the healthiest lifestyle. It's one that invites vice. And, you know, and I'm not some fucking carry nation person. You know, I trust me, I've gone through some very indulgent periods of my life. Um, then I, I, I realized that if I was going to be healthy and live, I had to stop a lot of that because it was not helping me in a lot of different ways. And I feel blessed because, you know, I have something to do. I have a service I can provide for people. And not everybody has that. That doesn't mean that people can't. Because everybody has something. Trust me on that. Everybody has something. Even if you don't think you have something, you do. It's in there. It's like uh, we started off with Billy Crystal. We'll kind of round this up with uh, 
Billy Crystal, City Slickers. You remember Jack Palance? That one thing, right? That one thing. Everybody's got that one thing. If you find that one thing, whatever it is, even if it doesn't make you rich, it can make you fulfilled. And, and with fulfillment, guess what you have? You have the potential for the law of attraction. You, you love the thing that you do, and then people understand it, recognize it, say, oh, well, I want some of that. Right. I want some of that. So if you're listening to this, whether it's through the live stream here or through the podcast, um, moral of the story, don't give up. And if you're if you're hurting, get help. There are people that are they're there, they're out there. And you know, there, you know, there are angels amongst us, and they can help you. You can help turn your life a little bit, and that's what you need. So don't give up. And if you need help, don't be too proud to go out and look for it. There's a story of this young woman. She's kind of interesting because apparently she's got her own YouTube channel now. And she talks about her life growing up. This is all in the Softwood Underbelly series. And she didn't know how to read until the eighth grade. She just kept getting, getting passed along. And there was an eighth grade teacher who realized that she didn't read a bunch of these other kids didn't know how to read and write. And he took them all together and brought them all together. And he taught them all. Right. He taught them all so that they could have some semblance of tools to be in the world. And then later she found a therapist and that therapist, you know, changed her life dramatically. So there are people still in this world that care and, you know, they can assist other people along the way. But that's, that's why we're here in my estimation, but I'm a Virgo. So I was kind of wired this way, a reluctant Virgo, but a Virgo nonetheless. We're here to assist our brothers and sisters along this path. Especially if they're open and receptive to it. In order to do that, you gotta be, you gotta be in a place where you can offer something. You have to be in a place where you can offer something. That means that you have to be as clear as you can be and something that you can do. Sometimes it's just listening, just listening to a person can be the greatest gift that anybody can share with another person. My father was a great listener. He was, he was a great listener in moments where he had that mercury and cancer, right. In, in the moments where I really needed to say something, he would turn that on and it was like a, a very receptive field. So don't ever underestimate just the power of listening and not even trying to, um, offer advice or correct anybody. Sometimes some people just need to be heard. They just need to be heard. They live in a world where nobody listens to them. Nobody hears what they have to say. They feel like their lives have no, no meaning. And you can provide a real service just by, just by doing that. And not, not even attempting to offer a solution. Maybe somewhere down the line, you can do that. So ultimately, as we pulled the yacht into the dock today, um, this is a story of humanity and survival and redemption. We've lived with a lot of darkness on this realm for a very long time. 
you know, the darkness has shifted. You go back to the turn of the century and, you know, the darkness was living conditions and poverty and essentially yanking people out of their uh, farms or rural settings or, you know, plucking them from orphan trains and sticking them into um, industrial settings. Young, young people, children, there's plenty of pictures out there of children, you know, in factories, age nine, 10, 11, women, right? Same deal. So there's plenty, there's plenty of that. That's part of our dark history. You know, and that's, that's, that is a, a version of servitude, you know, and then, and then we have other versions of it too, which are a lot more explicit, right? So we had that, but what we didn't have at that time is we didn't have these hardcore drugs. We didn't have this invasive technology and we didn't, when I say technology, I'm talking about, you know, the technology that we're experiencing right now together, which can be incredibly invasive. Um, and we didn't have the kind of gene altering technology that these fucking Frankenstein doctors are working on thinking that it's somehow going to help us and improve our future. So the challenges that we have now are very different than the challenges of the dark times of the past. What we do have now, what they did not have then to some degree is a level of awareness, right? So we have a level of awareness of what's going on in the realm. We may not have all the answers, but we have a level of awareness. It's almost as if the, you know, the challenges and the pitfalls are almost um, equal to the level of awareness that we theoretically have. Although I guarantee you, there are some people who are in the clutches of the challenge and the pitfalls, and they have some awareness of it, but they can't do anything about it because, you know, they're in, they're in some form of um, indentured servitude to their habituation or the people that uh, promote their habituation. So in ending, because I do like to end on something positive, give thanks for your life, no matter how dark or how hard it may seem or look at the moment. You know, you could always have one of the lives of some of these other people and their lives are very dark and no, absolutely very little hope, very little hope for some of them. Some of them are okay. Like brothel chick, she loved it. You know, she was like, you know, she was a queen at the brothel, but you know, how long can that last? You're going to get old. And at some point, you know, you better start saving your money. You better start making investments and become Miss Kitty. Right. Cause you're not, you're not getting, you know, they line you up at the brothel and you go and you go, okay, I'll take that one. You don't want to be the one who is always standing there at the end. By the time you get to that point, it's like you're on the clock. Give thanks. Give thanks for the life you have. Give thanks for the love you have. Give thanks for the people in your life that uh, you love and love you. Gratitude is the attitude. It doesn't mean you stick your head in the fucking ground, right? But give thanks because at this point in time, we need that. We need that. And the more people that understand that, no matter what challenges we have in our lives, the more people that understand that, and can have an experience of that together, it makes us stronger, it makes us a lot stronger. And it allows for us to 
uh, embrace other people who we would not consider perfect. All right, I'm out of here. Thanks for being here. Appreciate you. A uh, big thanks to Jasper, who's back over in the preening station. Use your head in order to discern what's real, your heart to see it when's possible. Uh, I'll be back here tomorrow at 9, 11 a.m. Uh, Friday, we'll have Russ Winter on the Farcast uh, live from Prague. He made it back, and um, he's still dealing with his issue. So we'll probably get an update uh, around uh, how that's going for us. All right, take care. Bye for now.